Welcome back to Blazing Trails. I'm your host, Michael Revo from Salesforce Studios. And next week on CNBC, Salesforce will debut our new docu-series called The Shift. Each episode will spotlight how technology can help drive digital transformation and tackle societal issues. And featured in the series is One United Bank, the largest Black-owned bank in the U.S., And One United's mission is to leverage the buying power of the Black community to support justice and equity. And joining us today are Kevin Cohey, Chairman and CEO, and Terry Williams, President and CEO at One United Bank. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. All right. Well, it's great to have you both here today. And... uh, I love this episode and I encourage everybody to check it out on CNBC or on Salesforce Plus. Uh, Kevin, I just wanted to kick it off with you and maybe you can tell me a little bit about the mission of One United Bank. Well, it goes back to at least the end of slavery. It actually started during slavery, but it's rooted in in Black Americans' leaders understanding that for Black Americans to effectively integrate in society, that they needed to have a national bank. It, it was, it's been long recognized that a bank is a very effective tool for organizing economic resources. Mm-hmm. And you can go back to, to things like the Niagara Convention, which was held at the uh, end of slavery, where the black intellectuals of the time came together and said, what do we need to do to effectively integrate in society? Mm-hmm. One of those ideas was the creation of this national bank. It's been talked about from W.E. Du Bois, uh, Booker T. Washington type people, all the way to Malcolm and Martin, the, of the need for this institution. I submit to you that institution is One United Bank. Mm-hmm. And I know in the show you talked about the mission of the bank or part of it being eradicating the racial wealth gap. Can you talk to me a little bit about that and how the bank fits into that? Well, it's, it's about organizing Black America and its allies and bringing those parties together to affect change, the changes that are necessary in our society to create economic parity. In the case of, in the, case of the financial wealth gap, there are two major components to it, if you will. Mm-hmm. One is our country's history of systemic racism which is one of the things that we have to absolutely deal with as part of the solution. But another component of it is financial literacy. Building wealth is very much an informational exercise. The more information you have and understanding of money, the easier it is to accumulate wealth over time. Mm -hmm. Teaching those financial literacy lessons are a big part of One United Bank strategy. It, we're in a unique position. But you know, as Black America's bank, as, as, a, as an institution that's tied into the culture of Black people in this country, we're uniquely positioned to communicate messages. Yeah. One of those types of messages that we communicate are messages around financial literacy. We actually both teach the techniques, the, the actual intellectual knowledge you have to have to understand the transactions necessary to build net worth. And then we also serve a motivating role. We we know how to encourage people to want to participate in the wealth building process. 
Yeah, you know, we had Frank Cooper III, who was uh, the BlackRock CMO at the time and is now global CMO of Visa on the show uh, a little over a year ago. And it was a great conversation where he was talking about connecting wealth and well-being and how access to financial resources and literacy was like healthcare or education, just really core. And that seems to be a big part of what you're doing at the bank. Absolutely. We want to make financial literacy a core value of Black America. We have, mm-hmm. That's one goal. And to make anti-racism a core value of America is a second goal. And we think that by those two things alone, alone, then coupled with the great opportunity that technology has created to build wealth, where let's not forget that technology has created the biggest opportunity that's ever been in the history of mankind for the broadest group of people to become financially wealthy. This type of opportunity has never existed. So you have this massive wealth created opportunity driven by technology. And then you have the same factor, technology, bringing us all together. Yeah, it's it's so exciting to see this. And Terry, in the show, you mentioned that there was a Federal Reserve study that determined that 49% uh, of the Black community is underbanked or unbanked. And that led to the development of a new product and a way of looking at what you're doing at the bank, and which is really a, a technology story at its heart. So tell me a little more about that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it led to actually a new program that we call Cash Please. And the goal of that program is to eliminate uh, payday lending. We realized that there's a huge part of our community that unfortunately, you know, lives from paycheck to paycheck. And in some cases, can't reach, you know, they they have needs before their next paycheck Mm -hmm. and that they've been relying on payday loans and other types of services that are predatory. And so we tried to see what we could do in terms of using technology, our technology, to come up with a program that was not predatory but still met that need for those few days where someone might need some additional cash. Mm -hmm. And it could be something that, uh, an emergency that happened, you know, a tire, flat tire, you know, an appliance broke. It could be something, you know, a child had a a, a camp, you know, they wanna go to. I mean, it could be any number of things that, you know, come up in someone's life that would require them to have additional funds. And what that study showed is that there's a huge portion of America, not just black America, that doesn't have $400 in emergency savings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we created this cash please program where without a credit check, we actually will provide our customers with a loan up to $1,000 of which they'll have, you know, 90 days or three months to pay back. And the beauty of it is that it's there for them if they need it, and it'll be deposited into their account in four hours. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for those emergencies where people may be running to a payday lender, they can actually, you know, from their phone, go to our our app, our mobile app, and and, uh, get this loan deposited into their bank account. And it really is sort of what Kevin said. It's a way of using technology to uh, not just perfect our democracy, but to perfect our lives. You know, mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are just some 
holes in the system um, and the financial services system in particular yeah. for our customers, and we uh, seek to fill those holes. Yeah, I mean, as I was watching in, in the show, it shows how you put together the product in, in four months, which is pretty impressive. And it seems like it's a big differentiator from for the bank to have the technology infrastructure to be able to do that, to address a problem and be able to solve it. That that problem of being able to identify if it's going to be a good loan, be able to deliver the money, you know, that whole end-to-end process. So can you tell me a little bit about what it took to implement that and, and how maybe One United is doing that in a different way? So, yes, you're absolutely right. It took a tremendous amount of technology as well as a staff that's used to using technology and understands also the sense of urgency. So mm-hmm. I did give the team, uh, you know, four, four months. Uh, they thought I was crazy, um, but I felt like we really needed to launch this program because it was needed. Yeah. And uh, we we know that at the beginning of the year, you know, after the holidays is when people tend to need those emergency funds. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we started in like about September or so. And, you know, in four months we launched. Now, what I'll say is there's launching. Um, we, just, we sort of did a pre-launch <laughs> and then there's watching it over time. So even yeah. in the pre-launch, we could see that there was a huge need. I mean, without us even telling our customers they were finding uh, the program. Yeah. yeah. And then we did an actual official launch. And that's when, you know, it was uh, not only uh, reaching our customers, but uh, actually new customers were coming to us because we had the program. And since then, because the technology not only allows us to offer it, it also allows us to monitor it, to look at our customers, you know, 360 degrees, to see the types of customers that are using it and to track it over time Mm -hmm. and to see how well it's performing. And I have to say, it's performing very well. So we're very excited. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I'd love to hear more about, you know, you have such a close relationship with your community, with your customers. How are you looking at that both in terms of that business relationship and then the larger relationship in terms of financial literacy, et cetera? How how do you cultivate that relationship? Well, you know, what's interesting about the history, uh, again, going back to what Kevin said in terms of it taking us all the way back uh, to slavery, one of the changes that we made, um, and this was about 2015, so seven or eight years ago, is we used to define ourselves as a community bank that happened to be black owned. Mm-hmm. And we switched from that communication to sort of, to speak in our authentic voice and to say, we are a black owned bank. We are unapologetically black. And I have to tell you that that switch was really uh, a risk. You know, people wouldn't think about it that way, but it was a risk um, because some people were saying, oh, if you do that, you know, white people aren't going to bank with you and then black people aren't going to bank with you. And, mm-hmm. um, but we really felt that it was important to talk to our community in our authentic voice for them to hear us. And as we're talking about the importance of financial literacy and as we're bringing out new programs, for them to hear us and for us to hear them. Mm-hmm. And so this whole journey that we've been on with our, with our customers is that they trust us. They see us authentically. They know that we have their best interests in mind, that we're not just you know, trying to make the most money. We're actually a CDFI or a community development financial institution. Our role is to develop 
the wealth in the community. They see what we're doing to close the racial wealth gap. Mm -hmm. And that trust is something that uh, really helps us um, sort of move our community in the direction of embracing financial literacy as a core value and also taking advantage of the products and services that we have to offer to help them close uh, the racial wealth gap. And Kevin, what's the impact of that switch been on the business side? Are, are things growing? How, how oh, yeah. I mean, out? just to add to what Terry's saying, because uh, I want to make sure we understand the phenomenon that's taking place. It's, yeah. It's on one hand, we're an organizer of black Americans and their financial resources. On the other hand, we're an organizer of corporate America and its vast resources, both its financial resources, but even more, its intellectual resources. This conversation with you as an example is, is our relationship with, with Salesforce is more than just financial. This, yeah. this is us engaging in a collaboration designed to spread messages to affect change. Mm -hmm. So that's where the, the power to create the change needed in our society, we believe, rests with two places, with the people, but it also rests with corporate America as opposed to the government. Because corporations are where the money is, and most importantly, is where the brains are. Mm -hmm. And to the, to the extent that you can activate these two different communities to work towards each other, to understand the distinctions of the positions, like amongst other things we always say, we're talking to our large bank partners that, that boy, the American financial system is great, best in the world, if you qualify for it. Mm -hmm. But where are the people? The people are needing to rebuild their credit. The people are stuck in check systems because of some problem that happened at some point in life. That Terry talked about the unique kind of needs that people have. They want small dollar short-term loans. Mm -hmm. Eight financial institutions want to make large, long-term loans mm -hmm. that, that, that have distinctly different goals. Uh, the people want to get their paycheck early. They want their paycheck two days early. That That's not a concern to to, to people who have resources. So so the, the bank plays this, this role of which, which we're doing right now of activating corporate America to create the collaborations to create the framework to understand that you that you need to participate in doing business in ways that are different from what you've done. We know you can be very successful and do nothing. We, as a country, we managed to do nothing for a really long time. <laughs> so we know we can do that. And now, and now where we are is you're starting to see that change take place where the corporations are are both understanding the need to invest in, in other communities than they've traditionally invested in, and to also understand that that investment is both financial, but the most important part is the, of it is the intellectual part of it, the, the part that we're engaging in now, using technology to effectively distribute messages throughout our entire society to drive change. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to add to that. So, it, it, like, as an example, we've lent over a billion dollars 
in, in Black, low-to-moderate-income communities and have experienced almost no losses. You know, mm -hmm. this Cash Please program is also, it's a program that is profitable and, and still fills the needs of our customers. So it's that kind of intellectual, you know, sort of how, do you, how can you do things that's both profitable but also serves the needs of the community. And that's the, you know, the intellectual, you know, firepower that we we are bringing to not just, you know, our community, but, you know, corporate America that, that really could make a difference in terms of closing the, the racial wealth gap. I mean, I'd love to hear a vision of how this grows too. And, and Kevin, what those conversations that you're having with, you know, larger institutions, because when you think about it, there's a huge market out there that's, that's underserved that can be profitable for, you know, like you say, the, these are programs that help people, but also are profitable. So, well, and can I add, we've tripled in size since we've, since we've been doing this. So amazing. this yeah. growth is, has been, you know, phenomenal. Yeah. So tell me about what that future looks like, the conversations that you're having, the growth and where this is. Not that other banks should come in and start taking your business. We Obviously, we don't want that to happen. But how is this sort of movement happening in the financial services space? What, what does that look like? Well, it looks like I continue to refer back to the very thing we're participating in with you at this moment. <laughs> yeah. Because okay? see, if you think about what we're doing, this. Salesforce, in the case of Salesforce, I'll just use them as an example. Yeah. That, that, is, that is a technology partner. That's, that's one of the bank's most important technology partners. It, it is the company through which we manage our data that, that, has, that, that has advanced technology that allow you, some would say, more than any other company in the country, to be able to accumulate and effectively access and manage data. Mm -hmm. I, I think we all should understand that data is critically important to the development of businesses as we move into the future. Mm -hmm. But the, the key point is when you start to develop, like in, our, in the case of Salesforce, we're working on a massive project which is, has national implications with Salesforce and other <laughs> Very large, you don't, you don't very have to successful say. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so, the point is, is you can start to put together collaborations that can present product opportunities that, once again, have never existed before. Product opportunities that can affect change in society. Because here, you got to think about financial services, the world of financial services. Uh, on one hand. You, there's this shift. Remember, we used to have these things called community banks. And, yeah. And then you would, you would, you know, walk down the street and stand in a the line. They would give you some donuts and coffee and, <laughs> and sell you a checking or savings account. And give you a but, toaster. And give you a right. toaster. <laughs> and you would write, you could write in in your, pa in your book, you know, okay. the, your deposit. Yeah. And yeah. you had a passport, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> that is dead as disco. <laughs> Done. It's over. It's a wrap. And then contrast that with, a, with what we call a metaverse view of the world, where, where your banking relationship, you got to think about things like peer-to-peer -peer payment systems. Yeah. You got to think about money management systems that don't just aggregate the data you have at the bank, but aggregate all your financial information and then brings it into models which use artificial intelligence to help you make better real-time financial decisions. So, see, that's one of the big things about financial services is financial service products 
are moving from utilitarian type things like checking and savings accounts to things that are determinative of net worth. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. B- because of the ability of modern day products to drive wealth. So, mm-hmm. so this is a very important part of the role that society plays. To be able to position all segments of our society to be able to effectively participate with and have access to those types of products and opportunities requires these collaborations. Collaborations require the desire, the willpower of institutions throughout our society to work together. That's one of the biggest changes that's happened. Never in our history has corporate America been open to doing business with people other than their smallest, these very small, very narrow circles, like they are today. Mm-hmm. And that opening up, that willingness by corporations to look at and be willing to think about doing business in different ways, it's literally changing our society right before our eyes. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so when you say, what does it look like? It looks like more of the very thing you're doing now, where corporations are, you know, are thinking about, huh, how can we be more effective participants? And what I mean by that, how do we have more impact? How do we do how do we do things that are going to affect tens of millions of people? Mm-hmm. Here again, moving beyond, you know, not saying that you shouldn't hire an individual vendor for this or individual vendor for that. You should do that. But you also should be participating in large scale collaborations mm-hmm. where, you're, where you're expressing and teaching the important information necessary for, for us to move ourselves forward as a society. Mm-hmm. And so, so you're seeing what it looks like. You know, it makes me think about this idea around super apps. I don't know if you've, if, if you've thought about this, but the convergence of financial services, and this is, you know, what Frank Cooper was saying too, about it's connected to these, you know, core elements of life. So if you start bringing in financial services into your social, into everything else we're doing in this mobile digital world. Is that something that I'm just curious how you're thinking? About. Oh yeah. We actually, we actually have a super app. We have a super app and okay. our, our super app, if you look at our app, you, it, it does allow you to, you know, see your account balance and transfer funds, but yeah. it also includes financial literacy. It mm-hmm. also includes rewards programs. It also includes money management. You know, it. we have a super app. And yes, you're absolutely right. That's where the world uh, is going. And, you know, and for our community, you know, this is the other thing that's happening is that the black community is actually at the forefront of using technology for financial right. services. Right. We are right. at the forefront as a community. And mm-hmm. part of that is... We're at the forefront of using social media. You know, we've always been engaged. You know, the technology uh, gap was actually closed with the introduction of smartphones. You know, it used to be that there wasn't access to the Internet in a lot of homes and a lot of black homes because we didn't have, you know, Wi-Fi. We didn't have, you know, um, laptops and things of that nature. But with the, you know, the 
uh, use of the smartphone, mm -hmm. it really brought technology completely into uh, the black community. And we now use it uh, in a way, as I, I'm going to repeat myself, but we're at the forefront. Yeah. So seeing that, you know, uh, when United Bank, we uh, launched our digital platform in 2006. So this was long before most banks and, you know, most community banks, but even some of the national banks really started to focus on mobile. And I can tell you, uh, first of all, Salesforce was right with us, you know, right through that process. And, you know, I, I can see what's going on. Not only can our customers use our mobile app, but I can see what's going on on the Salesforce app. Because when you all introduced the mobile uh, app, um, or your mobile, you know, uh, yeah, app. Um, it allows me to see what's going on in the bank and getting a yeah. 360 deg uh, degree view of what's going on in the bank. Mm -hmm. So again, it goes back to technology has allowed us uh, to move our community forward. And our community is also pushing us forward, saying this is the future. You know, mm -hmm. this is where... Uh, not just the black community is going, but where everyone is going. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we used to say, I don't, you know, run your business from your phone. That was a, a part of our our branding at the time. And now that's, you know, you don't even have to say it anymore. Right, <laughs> just, exactly. Just how it works. I always tell this story of how um, when we first got the app from Salesforce and I went overseas on a vacation and I was watching what was going on. And when I got back to the bank, I said, oh, how are things going? And everyone's like, oh, they're going great. And I was like, no, they're not. You know, I can see on my app, they're not going great. So yeah, no, it's, but that was years ago. Now, you know, everyone, everyone can see. Yeah. Well, you know, the last point I want to hit on is, um, you know, tips or advice for leaders who are looking at a digital transformation. I mean, what you've been doing at One United Bank is incredible in terms of creating new products and growing uh, your digital footprint. But it's not easy. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of teamwork and vision and dedication. So I'm curious what you would say to folks who may have a, a daunting digital transformation task in front of them. How should they think about it? Well, you have to think about it as a necessity. Yeah. You, you, you have to understand that if the pandemic taught us, the pandemic taught us many things. And one of the more important things it taught us is the importance of technology driven companies. Mm -hmm. Remember we, that was COVID-19. What about COVID-24 or COVID-27? <laughs> I mean, and, that, and that's just one example. Um, I think it's clear to all of us that digital transformation it's a necessity for a business. Mm -hmm. and, at, and we're at the point where as, as business leaders, we have to, part of the decision is to recognize if your business model cannot be effective, that, that, you, know, that, that, you, that you have to be able to build a team that can implement a digital strategy in your company. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that if you can't do that, then you have to recognize that it's critically important to organize the resources necessary to do it. So I would also add, and this is 
partially our roles. Kevin, as the chairman and CEO, he sort of sets the vision. And me, as the president and COO, I actually have to execute on that vision. <laughs> and so I'm, you know, talking to all those senior managers whose job it is to, to execute on, on a vision. And yeah. what I would recommend is that you focus on solving a problem. You know, you use it. You don't don't think about it as this big, vast thing. Focus on on solving an isolated problem, because when you do that, you start to uh, gain a following amongst your managers because they're the ones that are having to deal with the problem every day. When you use technology to solve a problem that makes their job I would say easier as, you know, but just more effective, you know, they'll go, they'll have those aha moments. And um, that that's how we started to build adoption within One United Bank with our team is that we focused on this problem. And then they said, well, what about this problem? So then mm-hmm. we focused on that problem. And then the next thing you know, it spread throughout the organization that technology is a way to solve problem. Well, that's great advice. And I think it, that's a missing piece so much is the communication. You know, yeah. if you build it, they will come. Well, you yeah. better tell them about it. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, they might come, but yeah. you have to, you have to tell them about it yeah. at least. Okay. Well, this has been a great conversation and uh, for everybody out there, definitely check out the shift. We'll have some detail about that coming up. Terry, thank you so much for joining us. And Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having us. That was Kevin Cohey, Chairman and CEO, and Terry Williams, President and COO at One United Bank. Be sure to check out The Shift. It's on CNBC and debuts on September 17th and runs Saturdays from 2.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Blazing Trails is a production of Salesforce Studios, produced by Rachel Levin and Courtney Eltinge, and engineered by Ryan Kleeman and Michelle Luong. I'm Michael Rebo. Thanks for listening.